In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. What though the radiance which once was so bright <laughs> be now forever taken from my sight, though nothing can bring back the hour of splendor in the grass, of glory in the flower, we will grieve not, rather find strength in what remains behind. <laughs> Carla, Did can, you just I write be, that? can I be excused? What? Can I be excused from doing this podcast? Because this poem by William Wordsworth dredged up so many repressed, oh, sexual and emotional feelings that I'm having. I literally have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it's a scene from the movie that we saw. Uh, yes. William's Wordsworth. Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to Craigslist episode four, number 97. <laughs> Number 97 on... That's a little uh, confusing. Well, <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> As the numbers go up, the numbers go down. Gotcha. We're counting, you know, uh, we're counting down eventually to episode 100, number one. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you say so. <laughs> so yeah, they'll always add up to 101. Right. Right? Right. That's how we know we're doing it right. Yes. Uh, so number 97 on Craigslist is a 1961 joint by Ilya Kazan uh-huh. entitled Splendor in the Grass. It is. And so far we've done <laughs> a, uh, a fancy foreign film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've done a, uh, a fantasy uh-huh. uh, epic. We've done a, uh, an indie dramedy. But this is good old-fashioned romance, Carla. It is. I was so romanticized the whole time. I was watching it. Were you romanticized by this movie? I was. Uh, in all honesty, I've never really understood the Warren Beatty thing. And after seeing this movie, I was like, oh, oh yeah, I get it. You thought he was hot. He was super hot in this movie. <laughs> and I never really got it before. Like I thought he was a good actor and, uh, I have never seen anything. I don't think where he was this young. Right. Uh, he's very appealing. <laughs> this was pretty much his debut. I think he was in another movie in 69. Oh, really? But yeah, he, he'd done uh, some stuff on TV. Was he famous first or was his sister, Shirley MacLaine, famous first? Shirley MacLaine was definitely famous first because the apartment was the year before, 1960. And I think she was in films uh, as early as the mid-50s. And now, why do they have different last names? Uh... I think their last name is Beatty, but spelled with one T. So they both changed their name. He added a T, and she she actually changed the spelling of McLean as well. So she was Shirley McLean Beatty, and uh, so she, McLean was her middle name. Yeah, McLean was her, her middle name. I think she changed the spelling to L A I N E when it was L like L E A N, oh. maybe. And he added a T just to beef it up a little bit. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Because you would think that he'd want to have the same name as his famous sister. 
Or maybe he wanted to, you know, strike out on his own. Oh, please. And not be, <laughs> not be associated with her. Maybe. It's, it's one of those brother-sister things you need to be reminded of. Like, oh, yeah, they're brother and sister. Because mm-hmm. you've never seen them together. You've never seen them in a movie together. I have. Together. I've seen them at award shows together. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I think when she got her AFI achievement, he was there with Annette Benning. Yeah. And I think they were all sitting at the same table. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's well. That's <laughs> so boring. No, I'm sorry. No. That was the most boring thing I've ever said. That's a good tidbit. <laughs> uh, Carla has it on authority that Warren Beatty and Shirley MacLaine have been seen together. <laughs> <laughs> so this brother sister thing might check out. Uh, let me tell the listeners a little bit about Splendor oh, right. in the Grass. Yes, you should. Uh, it's uh, takes place in the late 20s in rural Kansas, and uh, it's a teen romance between two high school students played by Warren Beatty and Natalie Wood, uh, who is equally as attractive as Warren Beatty. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a good-looking couple. I get it. I get her appeal, too. Yeah. And uh, they are high school sweethearts, uh, and she's a, a good girl who won't go all the way with him. And, uh, it's, or will she, or will she, uh, spoilers ahead. She does not. Um, (laughs) You can't spoil a 50 year old movie, (laughs) but I, I, hello, I saw Hi, (laughs) hi, I'm here. You can't speak as slowly as you do in real life on a podcast. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for the notes. You can't be so thoughtful. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be thoughtful on a podcast. So I probably saw this movie right out of college, I think, on VHS. And uh, it's one of those movies that uh, I don't know if it made the list right away when I first saw it. But uh, I would come back to it periodically throughout the years and uh, just was never able to shake it. I think it's a movie that really uh, moves me mm-hmm. deeply. And uh, I think it's just the, the appeal of uh, Beatty and Wood in the leads. <laughs> And uh, what's so funny about that? Nothing. You just sound very official. <laughs> By using their last names? Uh-huh. Warren and Natalie, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ilya Kazan, just a great d- actor's director. And uh, there were other Hollywood filmmakers making serious movies at the time, but I felt like they always had like the signifiers of like, this is an important movie about a significant issue. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Otto Primager and George Stevens, you know, like made those kind of movies. But I feel like Ilya Kazan was all, because he came from the theater, mm-hmm. uh, was always about the character first. So, you know, he really, he was from the actor's studio, right? He was from the actor's studio. He directed on the waterfront, mm-hmm. streetcar named desire, worked with, uh, James Dean in East of Eden, worked with Brando multiple times. I think, I've, okay, I've never seen East of Eden, and I think in my mind, the, the, this movie was that movie. Okay. I, I think I thought they were both the same movie. Is what? Natalie Wood in East of Eden? She is not. She is in Rebel Without a Cause, which is That's another what I'm thinking James of. Dean movie. In my mind, all three of these things are probably the same film. Well, they're are they? from a similar era, <laughs> and uh, they're all kind of in uh, Technicolor. Uh-huh. You know, they have a similar look. Uh, I think East of Eden, Rebel Father Cause, or 55, this was six years later, so she was, oh, okay. uh, she was more of an actual teenager when she did Rebel Without a Cause. Do you think James Dean would have been in this movie had he still been alive? I, I think you're right, yeah. Though he might have been too old at that point, you know? Hmm. Um, 
when how old is he when he died? Twenty five, maybe. So yeah, mm-hmm. he would have been like thirty one. And Beatty and Wood. Yeah, Stalker Channing was like in her thirties <laughs> when she played a teenager in Greece. Sure. Yeah. Random that- movie fact. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. It's been done. And, and Rizzo was not convincing as a high schooler at all. <laughs> Though Stuart Channing is very enjoyable in that movie. Yeah, uh, Beatty and Wood were definitely in their early 20s, so they're a little too old for high school, but I think uh, I bought it. And he cast all other early 20s actors, so they look the same age mm. as all of their high school friends, but none of them were teenagers. Now, Elia Kazan is a controversial director, correct? Sure. Do you remember when he got that Lifetime Achievement Award at the Oscars? I do. And, uh, and Nick Nolte did not stand. He sat still with his arms folded. I remember Ed Harris and Amy Madigan would not stand. Maybe too. I'm confusing the two of those. Well, possibly also Nolte, but definitely Ed Harris and Amy Madigan. Because uh, Kazan named names during yeah. the uh, communist witch like hunt. A real jerk face. <laughs> but he got to have a career and other people got blacklisted. As a result, so. But he lost so much respect, didn't he? Uh, I think he had a lot of loyal friends. He had a lot of people who never forgave him for that. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think he also directed uh, Arthur Miller's uh, The Crucible on Broadway. Oh, Arthur Miller was that's. I was just listening to plugging another podcast. You must remember this, and they were covering this story with Arthur Miller and Elia Kazan and oh, how. Really? And how um, Arthur Miller never really forgave him, but they still ended up working together again. Interestingly enough, the uh, Arthur Miller's play After the Fall, which was kind of his thinly veiled account of his marriage to Marilyn Monroe. Right. Uh, Kazan also directed that on Broadway. And Barbara, Barbara Loden, who was Kazan's second wife, played the Marilyn Monroe figure. And she plays Warren Beatty's sister in this movie. Oh, she's great. She's really good in this movie. She was actually my favorite part of Splendor in the Grass. Really? Was War- the yeah, the actress who played Warren Beatty's sister. I thought she was uh not to diss at Natalie Wood too hard because I I get that it's, you know, of the time and very stylized. Um but she was uh, Natalie Wood's character Deanie, is that right? Mm-hmm. Was kind Bud of, and Deanie. Right. It was hard for me to get on Deanie's side at any point because I felt she was so dramatic and so over the top. And uh-huh. yes, I understand we're talking about teen angst and the first time this teenager's fallen in love and da 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 But I just thought the performance was really ridiculous. And on the other she's end... She's orgasmic for a lot of the movie. She is. <laughs> no, she's in a tub at one point having a nervous breakdown and it sounds like she's having an orgasm. <laughs> it, is the, it is one of the stranger things I've ever seen in a movie where I was supposed to, where I was supposed to take it seriously. She was Oscar nominated for this movie. Of course she was. Oscars don't mean anything. Um, but my point being, uh, I thought that the woman who I now, now know is named Barbara Loden. Barbara Loden, yeah. Uh, who played Warren Beatty's sister was fantastic in this movie. She's really good. And she only, I think, made three movies in her career. Really? Uh, and, I think Kazan was having an affair with her at this time. I think he was married to his uh, first wife. Uh, she was about 25 years younger than him. And eventually they married. And uh, she continued to do stuff on the stage, but she pretty much retired as an actor. But something you might want to seek out is she uh, wrote and directed an independent movie called Wanda in 1970 and stars in it as well. And she was one of the first... Uh, women hmm. to uh, write and direct their own independent movie. And she's really great in that, too. Cool. And she died young of cancer in the uh, early 80s. Aw. 
I think. But, uh, yeah, this gives you kind of a glimpse of like what her career could have been. Yeah. Um, and she plays basically the slutty sister. Yeah. You know, she's, she's a flapper. Um, by the and- way, I didn't realize this took place in the twenties. <laughs> oh, I'll until- get to it when we get to Carla's <laughs> quotes, but. <laughs> I know it seems so stupid now looking back, but because it's an old movie, it's the time period's not clear. Sure. It was made in 61 and set in 28 yes. and 29, I think. Yes. Yeah. So that was a little confusing. Um, although they were talking about flappers, but, <laughs> and I don't, that's why I feel stupid about it. Okay. At one point they're like, oh, uh, Boy, our stocks are really in great shape. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, uh oh, you know, it's 1929. People talking about their stocks. Yeah. Uh, but I lo- caught on. It just took maybe 45 <laughs> minutes into the film. Yeah. There's also a, uh, there's kind of a, uh, status difference between Bud and Deanie. He comes from a well to do family. His mm-hmm. dad is like an oil baron and, uh, Deanie's family more middle class. Her dad runs the grocery store. Right. So it's kind of the feeling that like they really can't get married because she's not of his social class. Mm-hmm. So that kind of adds to the pathos there. But then, uh, his dad has this embarrassment for a daughter. Uh, and I, I do, Kind of agree with you that the the scenes with Barbara Loden are, are probably the the highlights of the movie. Well, there's just a lot going on. So this daughter, she's just moved back home. They had to go. The mother had to go pick her up because she. There's rumors she had an abortion. Yeah basically, yeah, basically, yeah. So she had an abortion, and they bring her home, and her dad's like, "You're not leaving this house forever, or whatever," <laughs> and she's like. I can do whatever I want. And so you just think like she's this drunk, crazy person. But then, and maybe I'm making this up, but when they're at the New Year, meaning like maybe I read into it too much, but when they're at the New Year's Eve party and she goes and she starts hanging on her father and trying to kiss him, Mm. I was under the impression that he had abused her. And that's why she was reacting that way towards men. Yeah, I think that's there. That's, uh, That's definitely something that's in the movie. And I think that's a fair interpretation of it. And I think this movie is kind of about female sexuality, mm-hmm. period. Uh, oh, terrible, oh boy. terrible pun. Oh boy. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and it's really for, of its time, it's really as bold as it could be. You know, everything's kind of coded and you have to read between the lines a little bit, but it's about as frank uh, about female sexuality as a Hollywood movie of 1961 can be. Mm -hmm. This is not La Dolce Vita. You know, those Italians were so much more continental and cosmopolitan. Um, But yeah, I think she kind of represents uh, the character who's been able to act out on it and is kind of shunned for it. And, uh, Dini has to kind of keep it repressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like men in this movie are constantly kind of afraid of female sexuality. Right. Yeah. It's, it's actually a very, it's a very sad story. Um, do you want to know what I thought about it? Carla, what'd you think about this movie? <laughs> uh, I, some of it is so stylized and of, of its time that it's hard to connect to. Um, but I do think that this story is timeless in that it's about 
a young girl and a young guy who are in love for the first time and wanting to have sex <laughs> and like, you know, not being able to do so. It captures that feeling yeah. of like not being able to get away from your parents and right. like slip away. Like they're trying, you know? yeah, they're constantly trying to make out and like, you know, teachers are around or their parents are around or other schoolmates or whatever. Um, and I thought that it did that very well. I thought it, it kind of lost me a little bit when she went crazy. Mm hmm. Um, she has a nervous breakdown. She has a nervous breakdown. Her parents send her to an asylum. The reason she has a nervous breakdown is because he breaks up with her and sleeps with somebody else. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, I just. Juanita is the, uh, Juanita, right. Exactly. Of is course. Is the flapper that he sleeps with. Um, and it's just so out of left field and bizarre. It feels so melodramatic that I, it, it lost me there. I think so it's. So that's what I thought of the movie, Craig. <laughs> well, it's from another era and also representing another era. Right. So I think that's double repression there. And and that is an interesting point, you know, like uh thinking about it in, in those terms, um maybe we shouldn't be making movies from other eras <laughs> in any era. <laughs> Only make movies about the year in which the movie came because out. It's easier 50 for years Carla from to now, keep track of. Well, 50 years from now, nobody – it could be that nobody can connect to it because you're trying so hard to live in a different era knowing that it's from another era. <laughs> That's a weird complaint. Uh, <laughs> but if you think about it, uh, so this – Or like have a disclaimer at the top of like, okay, this movie – is made in 1960 or 61. So if you're watching this in 2016, you might have a hard time feeling anything for the characters. I think the themes and the characters are <laughs> universal. and I have a lot of uh, empathy for them. Uh, so like the movie, the actors in 1961 were like playing an era from 33 years earlier, which is basically like a movie being made now set in 83. So it's like the same thing as the people who just made Stranger Things. Like right. you can imagine them sitting around the set of just like, oh my God, look at those leg warmers. That's hilarious. Right. <laughs> you know? right oh, right. you look so great. You look so 80s, you know? So I can just imagine like Natalie Wood and Warren Beatty hanging out on the set of just, look at that flapper outfit. That's hilarious. You look so 20s. Right. Cause it wasn't super, uh, cool yet no it was probably i don't probably. know what, what point are you trying to make <laughs> <laughs> my, my point is like it was an old-timey movie or it was an old-timey era while they were making it right yes you're right um oh and then the dad jumping out of the window i think i made a joke about it before he did it Oh, sure. Yeah. His dad commits suicide because he loses his money in the stock market crash. And right before he did it, I said, oh, now this guy's probably going to jump out the window. Let's see. Let's actually, let's go to Carla's quotes. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, of course, a recurring segment on this podcast where uh, I watch Carla watching the movie <laughs> and write down the things that she says. But now we didn't see the first part of it together. Yeah, like the first 40 minutes we watched separately. Right. So unfortunately, I don't have choice Carla quotes for the first third of the movie, but there's there's some good ones. Oh, can too. I tell you what I was thinking though? Yeah. I was thinking, man, Warren Beatty is hot <laughs> a few times. And then there was another point before I realized it was taking place in the 20s where she was brushing her teeth and it looked like a toothbrush that would hurt her teeth. And I thought, how weird in the 60s that they were would have like these giant toothbrushes right. that would make their gums bleed. Yeah. No, that that's a total 20s toothbrush. Okay. Yeah. Those are the two things that I remember <laughs> thinking. Um, Carla calls, calls out a continuity error. 
How did she get back in the car? What? What does that mean? <laughs> I think there was a thing where she was in the car and not in the car and then back in oh, the car. Oh, that's right. She's outside of the car talking to him and then it cuts back and all of a sudden she's sitting right next to him in the car and it was so weird. I was like, Mr. Kazan. You should uh, check out IMDb and see if they have it in Revealing Goofs. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what, eras did this, what era does this take place in? Don't fucking write that down. <laughs> And then they must have revealed the 20s, or I must have told you that because you said, that makes sense because they talk about flappers. <laughs> oh, I sound like they're an idiot. Ha, she just hugged him because she got an A. What? She must have got an A on her paper, and then she hugged Bud. I don't know. Oh. He just ran his face into the pole. <laughs> uh, at one point, uh, Deanie was wearing a stylish hat, and you said, it looks like a patch of grass on her head. <laughs> And I said, it's Deanie's Beanie. And you're like, Deanie's Beanie. That's the sequel. <laughs> uh, at one point, Bud goes to see a, uh, a doctor and he's trying to get advice on uh, oh, getting, this was the worst getting laid. Awkward talk with the doctor about sex. Carla, this doctor's gross. <laughs> he's not being helpful. Nobody's talking to him like a man needs to be talked to. <laughs> Is, wait, was that from the scene or something I said? That was, no, it was it you said. <laughs> Nobody's talking to him like a man needs to be All talked right. to. Well, they weren't. <laughs> he was like, he kept trying to talk to different men in the movie. Like, and he was His saying, dad. what he was saying is, I have blue balls. Yes. Was a subtext of everything. Like, I got to get it taken care of dad doctor right and his dad's like well son uh i'll send you with a prostitute to somewhere blah 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 and and bud's like no dad no not not that kind of girl and then he goes to see the doctor and he's like doctor i just need help with my blue balls <laughs> and the doctor's like, not a direct quote by the way and the doctor's like uh uh-huh mm-hmm. and he's just nodding and then he's like yeah maybe i should just get it taken care of with you know one of those girls and the doctor's like oh now don't don't go doing that <laughs> and then Bud's like but what should i do doctor i'm just oh i feel so crazy and the doctor's just nodding and he's like all right see you next time <laughs> It is so weird. It's so weird. Is he drowning her? Is this a metaphor for all the cum that's exploding out of him? What? You said it. Oh, oh. This is when he ends up hooking up with Juanita. And they like do the thing, the sex thing, Uh underneath a waterfall. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The waterfall... Similar to La Dolce Vita. Oh my is god. A good, uh, it's such a orgasmic metaphor. Oh my god. It's like so clearly like this is him finally releasing. <laughs> uh, this is what you said to the teacher. Oh, come on, Ms. So and so. You couldn't remember the teacher's name. Uh, what? I, you have to, you have to read these more in context of what's happening. I don't. Come on, lady. Can't you see I'm holding on by a thread here? I can smell my boyfriend's nether regions on this girl in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> this is when Deanie has her breakdown in class. 
um, right after he hooks up with Juanita, uh, and she, uh, she can tell, and everybody's oh. kind of talking about it, and she freaks out while reading that poem. Like I did at the beginning of this podcast. Oh, right. That's what you were doing. Um, I wasn't sure what you were doing at the beginning of the podcast. I can smell my boyfriend's nether regions on this girl in front of me. Oh, right. Because the teacher wouldn't leave her alone and she's crying. <laughs> and Juanita's sitting in front of her because she just had sex with her boyfriend. There's a scene where Deanie's dad is eating and her mom tries to get him to go up and talk to her. I'm sorry. I got to finish this biscuit before I talk my daughter out of killing herself. <laughs> um... You should set it up and then say what I said because okay. it doesn't make any sense out of context. Yeah. Or that's the point, I guess, to make me look stupid. You also said... Uh, He's not listening to me, you guys. Have Splendor in the Grass with me. <laughs> um, I don't think that was to me. I think that was you being one of the characters. Is she going to get a lobotomy? Uh, this is before pizza came to Kansas. So in, uh, La Dolce Vita, we were trying to pinpoint when pizza came to America. Oh, right. And, uh, there's one point where he goes to an Italian restaurant and meets his future wife who's waiting on him. He's and Italian. He, and he clearly doesn't know what pizza is. Right. <laughs> At least in the late twenties, Kansas did not have pizza. Uh, and then you said, I'm more confused that she doesn't know where Kansas is. And then she goes to her, uh. Ew. This doesn't make any sense what you're saying. Who says that? <laughs> What? She being the future wife? Yeah. Oh. She. Uh, he has to explain to her where Kansas is. Oh. And you're more confused about that than the lack of pizza. Um. And then she uh, orders something in the kitchen, and you're like, that's Italian gibberish. <laughs> you also said, I don't understand this movie. A guy broke up with her. What the fuck? <laughs> Does that sum up your feeling in, in one sentence? Uh, her dad looks like Monopoly guy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Moneybags, I believe you're yeah. referring to. Her dad has kind of a handlebar mustache. Yeah. And, uh, and spectacles. Um, and at the end of the movie, there's a really moving thing where her mom and her friends are trying to keep from her where Bud is because she's trying to meet Bud one more time. Oh, yeah. And they're like, we don't want him. you to see Bud because you'll lose your fucking mind. Yeah. And her dad is like, He's at his father's old farm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So his, her dad tells him, tells her where he is. Yeah. Instead of the mom. Then she goes and kisses her dad on the forehead. And it's a really moving scene. And you said, I love the scenes where the dad gets to be right. I haven't seen enough of those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like a really misogynistic scene where I was just like, oh, Misogynistic. Of like written by a man, no, directed by her, a man. It's because her dad is sweet. And well, the whole loving. time her mom's just like railing on her and being yeah. so fucking annoying. Each of them has a terrible parent and a sweet parent. Yeah. Hello? Hi. <laughs> just looking at my notes. Uh, other things. Uh, Pat Hingle, who plays Warren Beatty's dad, only 13 years older than him. Really? Yeah. Oh, he looks so much older than him. Yeah, so he was... 36 Good for that guy. At the time. What? He looks like he's 60. I know. <laughs> That's a he must have died young, huh? No, he he lived to be pretty old. He played Commissioner Gordon in the uh, <gasps> Tim Burton of Batman course. movies. Of course, that's how I knew him. Really? Yes. But here's the thing, that limp that he has in the movie was not acting because uh the previous year he fell 40 feet down an <gasps> elevator shaft and broke his leg in the 20s and, near, and nearly died no <laughs> in the 60s uh and so he Jesus. had this horrible limp uh 
because his leg had just been like reset, and oh. so he kind of like made it uh, a part of the character. Uh, so that probably helped him. I seem felt like older. Warren Beatty's mom looked like in her seventies. <laughs> Like she right. looked so old. And then at the end, when Warren Beatty's telling Natalie Wood what happened to his whole family, he's like, uh, sister was killed in a car accident. My dad killed himself. My mom went to li- back to live with her parents <laughs> in Texas or something. And it's just like, there's no way her parents were still alive. <laughs> Cause, oh, we should explain, like, what happens in the movie? Or do we assume that everybody's watched the movie who's listening to this? Well, am I trying to make this make too much sense? Guys, if you've not watched the movie yet, we might discuss the ending right now. So, uh, you can tune out for the next two minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, you still here? Yeah. At the end of the movie, uh, we see Bud and Dini one last time. She goes back, uh, Maybe, I don't, I don't know, to say goodbye to him or just to see if the flame is still there, yeah. you know, but he's married and he has a kid and he's kind of like running a farm because his family like lost all their money. So they lost all of their money and she goes to visit him not knowing that they've lost all their money, right? Or does she know I think that? she knows. Oh, okay. So she goes to visit him and she's like wearing this new dress and this new hat and this, I thought this was done really well. She goes in the house and he introduces her to his new wife or his wife. She's who's not the new Italian at this waitress. Point, who was the Italian waitress? Played and by Zora Lampert, uh, early Second City alum. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, but her, his poor wife is like wearing rags. Yeah. And they're all like filthy. Yeah. And there's a chicken running around and the baby's on the floor. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> ugh, lots of germs are happening here. Yeah. Um, and then they have this great moment where she's playing, where Natalie Wood is playing with Warren Beatty's kid on the floor and his new wife looks at her and you can just tell that she feels really insecure about what she's wearing. And I, I thought that was one of the most honest moments of the whole movie. Yeah. Like those are like those little character touches that Ilya Kassan is so good at. And they didn't make, they didn't make a meal of it it was just a thing that happened and then she she continues to be really nice to natalie woods you can see that she's like a good person that he's ended up with yeah i thought it was really sweet but she can tell like this is his old flame yeah they've probably talked about her or he's referenced her or maybe not maybe she just kind of like knows it from the way that they're interacting and so like it's this great kind of bittersweet and moving ending and I, i think that's really what really makes the movie for me Makes it an all-timer. Yeah, I, I I would agree that that last scene is pretty fantastic. And and Natalie Wood, who is like maybe a little over the top in some of the histrionic scenes, is really good in the final scene. I agree. I think because it, it's much more uh, subdued. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, Phyllis Diller shows up randomly at one point. Who is she in it? Uh, she is like the hostess at like the flapper club that his oh, dad takes him to. Right. And she's just doing like some stock market crash material. Yes. You know? Yes. That's so funny. Uh, and it, like she would have been like a big stand up at the time. Right. So it would have been just like, like Amy Schumer showing up in like a period movie <laughs> like uh, these days. That's funny. Uh, you want to give this a letter grade? Yeah. I will give this a B. A B. Mm-hmm. For what? A B for um, a beautiful man. <laughs> <laughs> or Beatty. Beautiful Beatty. Beatty, bud, beautiful. Yep. Awesome. Uh, cool. You want to do a, a scene for uh, Khaki Theater? Sure. Uh, what scene do you want to do? 
Um, let's do this scene where uh, our dog sounds like he's choking, <laughs> but he's not. We'll take him out right after we finish recording. Don't um, guys. Let's do. Oh, Benny, stop it. Uh, let's do the scene where. Oh, uh, Warren Beatty tells her to get on the floor like a slave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, yeah, they're trying to uh, make out in uh, her parents' house while her you know, her dad is in the store next door and everything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, Deanie, I'm just going crazy here. I'm so crazy about you, Deanie. Oh, buddy. Bud? <laughs> just call me Bud. That's my oh, name. Bud? You never called me Buddy before. I'm sorry. I got confused with a dog. What dog? <laughs> you don't know a dog? I don't. Oh, Bud, I love you so much. You know I would do anything for you, but I can't do that one thing. <laughs> I, I, you don't have to do that one thing. You could do any one of a number of things that would please me. I don't understand what you mean, Bud. I'm just a girl, and a girl doesn't know things. Look, everybody in the neighborhood's looking at us. Let's slip inside your house. Okay, come over this way. Get away from the windows. Close the curtains. Lock the doors. Down on your knees, slave. Wait a second. Slave? I'm putting you in blowjob position right next to my wang. Oh, Deanie, I got crazy blue balls. I'm going insane here. I got to see a doctor. But don't talk to me like that. I'm a girl. I'm a very good girl. And I definitely want to do stuff with you where I'm naked and you touch my holes. But man, I can't because I'm a good girl. Oh, Deanie, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. (laughs) Oh, come on. Stop crying. Stop crying, Uh, Deanie. What what is going on? I'm crying. This is how I cry. Well, let me get you a ten grain sack, Mrs. Willikers. <gasps> oh. oh no, that was your dad. <laughs> My dad. <laughs> Why would your mom be talking about a ten grain sack? I'm sorry, I just got so overwhelmed that I confused their voices. Here, let's go to the piano and pretend to play chopsticks. Play like chopsticks, like from that movie Big. <laughs> but with our fingers, not our feet. That silent movie, Big? Mm-hmm. Because this is 1929. Oh, I'm going crazy, Deanie. Stop touching me there. Pretty accurate. I don't know if that, if there were a lot of direct quotes, but I think we got the general sense of that scene. It was a very passionate moment where they couldn't touch each other, even though they wanted to. Well, Carla, I'm glad you liked Splendor in the Grass. Yeah, it was fun. But I think next week is a movie you're not just going to like. You're going to love. Really? Because <laughs> I happen to know this is one of your favorite movies. Okay. And it's number 96 on my list. And it's one of my favorites. It's one of your favorite movies. This is a 1975 movie by Sydney, L- Sydney Lumet. Dog Day Afternoon. It's Dog Day Afternoon. Awesome. Oh, good. Wait, why is it number 96 on your list? I feel like it would be very much in the top 10 for me. What's one of my favorite movies? Yeah. Well, it's a high honor to be number 96 on my list. (laughs) There's nothing but incredible movies. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Filling out my top 100. Awesome. Um, How many times have you seen Dog Day Afternoon? Maybe three times. Okay. But it's been a long time. I haven't seen it 
probably in seven or eight years. All right. So this will be your fourth. I think I've seen it three times as well. Okay. And I'm looking forward to seeing it again with you. Awesome. Uh, it stars Al Pacino, John Cazale, Charles mm-hmm. Durning. And it's about, uh, it's the true story of a bank robbery that took place uh, in New York in the early 70s. And it's a very gritty, true to life, New York, 70s kind of Sydney Lumet drama. Awesome. With a lot of comedy in it. Awesome. So, folks, if you haven't seen Dog Day Afternoon, please check it out before next week's episode. Do it. It's so good, you guys. You're going to love it. And we'll talk to you then. Bye, guys. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>